Lord Jesus, we're asking for the authentic work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we don't want to pretend anything. We don't want hype. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to go through any emotions. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so would you help us, Lord, right now to, to enter into a level of, of spiritual connection with you. Not just going through the physical emotions, but spiritually connected with you. And that we'd be worshiping you in truth. Even what we're talking about tonight, that you change our hearts. Thank you, Lord. And speak to every person here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys need a Bible, somebody's handing out Bibles. Matt's got Bibles right here. Raise your hand. Matt will give you one. You need a Bible to understand what we're reading through tonight. It'll help you a lot. It's going to be hard for you to understand what we're talking about if you don't have one. So Matt will give it to you. And so let me tell you where we are. Here we are at the Cornerstone. Yeah, you guys already knew that. Here, here we are in, at the Cornerstone in 2019, last Thursday of the semester, and we're studying the book of Acts, the account, the ancient account written by Dr. Luke of what the Holy Spirit of Jesus did through his apostles in the years after he stepped off this planet. The Holy Spirit power of God was working through the apostles to finish the work that Jesus started while he was here. What was Jesus doing? Jesus came to pay the price to take back this world for himself. And that work has continued to this very day with the people in this room. He's building a kingdom, and we get to be a part of it. So Acts 9, verse 32. Acts 9, 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. Okay. Just want you guys to think about, why, why is Peter traveling? And he's, he's traveling probably on foot. He doesn't have a Honda Civic. He's on foot, and he's traveling. Why, why, is he, why don't you guys think about what he's doing? Remember when Jesus, remember what Jesus had said? Jesus had, before he stepped off this planet, he said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And you people are going to be my witnesses. You guys are going to testify about what you have experienced in me. And you're going to testify about me, first of all, in Jerusalem, and then in Judea and Samaria, that's like Dallas-Fort Worth, and then to the whole world. And what did the, what did the apostles do? They said, okay, great. They waited in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they stayed in Jerusalem until there was major persecution. We read about that a few weeks back. So there's persecution, and now the church is scattered all over the place. And God's going to use that scattering, that persecution that they, that they experienced to spread his kingdom community, his kingdom family all over the place. So what we find out is down in Lydda, there's a church. There's people worshiping Jesus. Let me just tell you where that is. You got a, you got. Sea Galilee here, Dead Sea down here. You got Jerusalem right here. You got the Mediterranean Sea down here, Egypt down here. Okay, you guys, get my. Okay, so this is Jerusalem. Here's what we call Tel Aviv. And, half, and just a little bit between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv is Lydda. So that's where it's about 26 miles from Jerusalem. Okay, you guys know where we're at? Okay, so Peter's down there and he's. He goes to visit the saints. Now, don't get all weirded out because I know that, that somehow the word saints has come, ended up being like ghosts to us or something, right? 
Have people understand what all, all saints means is, is the, peop, the holy people of God are set apart for his purposes. In other words, the Christians in Lydda, okay? Is that clear? Some people don't understand that. So he, he goes to Lydda to visit the people who have been set apart for God's purposes. And verse 33, there he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and the surrounding area of Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Does this sound familiar? I think it sounds familiar. What does it sound like? Sounds like Jesus, right? Yeah. Sounds like Jesus. You remember the story in Mark 2 where the guys dig a hole through the roof because they can't get fit inside the, the building? They dig a hole through the roof, lower the guy down, and Jesus says, get up, take your mat, your mat, and walk. And then a little while later, in John 5, he's in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda where people believe that, that the people believed that, that when, the, when an angel would come and stir the water, that whoever got in the water first could be healed. Now, whether or not that was had any truth to it or not, that's what the people believed. And Jesus meets a guy there, and he heals that guy who had been lame for, I think, 40 years. Same thing. He says, pick up your mat and walk. It's not this mat. <laughs> okay. So Peter, Peter sounds like Jesus. Where, does Peter get, where did Peter get this strategy from? He got it from Jesus. He spent... All those years, watching Jesus, hearing from Jesus, learning from Jesus, studying how Jesus did things, and now he goes, he's doing ministry? And he does it Jesus' way. Okay, let's go on. Verse 36, in Joppa, that's this spot right here, Tel Aviv, if you, if you fly into Israel with me when we land, we're just right next to Joppa. Tel Aviv Airport is real close to there. In Joppa, there was a disciple, that means a, a student of Jesus, named Tabitha which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. That's a good thing. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, about 12 miles away. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, so the people in Joppa hear that Peter is in Lydda, and they say... They sent somebody, two men to him and urged him, please come at once. So verse 39, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room. Does that sound familiar? And then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. It's like, wow, Pete's here. <laughs> he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with, uh, with a tanner named Simon. Okay, does this sound familiar? Sounds familiar. Sounds like Mark 5, when Jesus takes Jairus' daughter by the hand and says, get up, little girl. You guys remember this? He tells her to get up. And, it's, and he'd, he'd sent the people out, remember? 
And the same thing. It's like, I think Peter had learned from the past. Peter had learned from Jesus. Okay, I want you guys to think about the strategy of Jesus' kingdom building. Jesus came to overthrow the power of darkness, to overthrow the power of sickness, to overthrow the power of the devil, and to reestablish his rightful kingdom on this planet where everything on this planet would be done according to his way. That's what his strategy was. That's what he was going for. And remember how he trained these guys. Why don't you get back up? See if you can back up to when we were in Luke. Actually, let's look at Matthew. Matthew 10. Well, he was training these guys. He didn't just tell them to go out and talk about kingdom authority. Guys, go out and talk about a kingdom authority. No, he tells them to go out and take authority for the sake of the kingdom. Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So is this, remember how Jesus did this. He shows them how to do it. He shows them how to do kingdom ministry. And Jesus 12 guys around him. He's like, okay, you and you and you and you and you, you 12, you're mine. You're going to stay with me, and I'm going to train you. And then he trains them, and he sends them out and gives them instructions. Look at, look at verse 6. This is what his instructions are. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, hold off on the Gentiles for right now because we're going we're to focus on the, on the Jews. This is what he's telling them. But verse 7, this is what he tells them to do. Okay, this is your instructions. You want to crash course in Jesus-style evangelism? This is what it is. As you go, preach this message. You guys want to know what the message is when you guys are doing evangelism? The kingdom of heaven is near. Try that in your classes. So what's Christianity about? Guys, if anybody asks you what, what you guys do at the Cornerstone, say, we got a message about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is near. And people are like, what's that all about? Well, if you guys forgot what the kingdom of heaven is all about, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, synonymous. There are two, two ways of saying the same thing. The kingdom is any place where a king reigns. That the kingdom of God, the rule of God, in this building, in this life, on this campus, in this city, is available for anybody that wants it. That's good news, because the kingdoms of the world haven't worked, if you haven't noticed. There's a good king, and he's available. The kingdom of heaven is near. So that's, that's first of all, preach the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Five things that he tells them to do. You guys need to hear that one more time so you can do it? Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Or you guys tell me if you're supposed to do this or if this was just the disciples. But here it is. Preach the message of the kingdom. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Okay. Here's what I want you guys to get. Jesus' strategy for evangelism wasn't for you all to convince people out there from an academic point of view. Sure. I mean, that was Jesus' strategy. The way Jesus did evangelism is heal this person, make this person well, he teach this person, but he wasn't arguing. The way he reached people and the way that he, he taught his students to reach people was through an authentic experience of God's power, Holy Spirit power, and Holy Spirit, Spirit love. That was his strategy. He didn't waste his breath trying to convince people of something. And when those disciples, that's what we're reading about here. Jesus did that. Now the disciples are going out to establish a kingdom, and they do it with the same kind of strategy, with power, kingdom 
power. That's why Jesus did it. That's the way the disciples did it. And here's what I want to ask you guys. Is that how we're supposed to do it? Got a few yes. Do you guys think that's how we're supposed to do it? Well, maybe I need to ask you, are we supposed to do it? Do we have the responsibility of carrying out this kingdom building work that Jesus started? Okay, you don't have to answer this, but I want you to think the answer. Do you personally have a responsibility in carrying out this kingdom building work? I want you to think about it. Is that your response? I know you said yes collectively, but I'm asking you. Do you have a responsibility or you just think it's everybody else's responsibility? Will you get your degree and your career worked out? Is this or is this not your responsibility? Okay, you guys, when I asked, is this, our, is this how we're supposed to do it? You said, yeah. Okay, let me ask you again. Do you think that is the way, Jesus' way, Jesus' power evangelism, teaching it to the disciples, discipleship, disciples' power evangelism, do you think that is the strategy that we're intended to use? Okay, some of you again said yes. I was asking the same question I asked a few minutes ago. Are we, is that our strategy? Okay, are we supposed to do that? Okay, now here's the question that maybe is harder to answer. Can we do that? Okay, can we do that? Can we do it that way, Jesus' way? So here, here basically, this, this question is, is God's power still available for us to do evangelism, power evangelism, in a miraculous way right now? Okay, you guys say yes. So, and, and I want you guys to think about it. I want you to think about that because, because there's, there's a variety of answers among Christians. Obviously, there's a variety of answers among Christians because you see how other people are doing evangelism, and it's not power evangelism. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't ever explain. I'm not, ever, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do. I mean, obviously, what we're doing with, with burgers on Fridays and coffee here, all that is part of evangelism. That's just a part. But the... the, the Turning away from self and sin, turning to Jesus, has to be the result of an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. It has to be. It has to be. But, the, but just the, the way that people respond is this. Is power evangelism, are we supposed to do it that Jesus' way? And you got people that answer in a variety of different ways. First of all, you got, you got people that say, that's not the way it's supposed to be anymore. There's not, that, that miracles are not going to happen anymore. That was something that the apostles did, and when the last apostle died, that didn't happen anymore. That's over. We do, we, we're not supposed to do it that way. You got people on the other side that are going to say, yes, miracles do happen. Peter raising or healing Aeneas, raising Tabitha from the dead. If that's our strategy, people are saying, we can do that. And all we need to do is have enough faith to claim the promises of God to see miraculous, to see miracles happening in the lives of the people around us. Okay? There's two sides. And I just want to say, there, it, not just, I want to suggest to you that it, that it can happen. But it's not just a matter of just, like, I just need to have enough faith. It can happen, but it's not always the way that it's going to happen. That God uses a variety of ways. Here's what, here's what I'm going to su suggest to you. That miracles can happen, but the determining factor of whether a miracle happens in a certain situation is not simply based on whether we pray the right way 
or have enough faith or get the right person to pray for us or get somebody who, to get somebody to pray for us who speaks in tongues or that we go to the right church on the right day. But that the, the determination as to whether a miracle happens is left in God's hands. And the reason I say this is because sometimes people te- treat God in, like as a matter of divination. Like if I, if I can just rub the genie in the bottle the right way, then he's going to do for me the thing that I want him to do. But I want to remind you guys that God is still God. He's the boss. He's the master. We're not. He does what he wants, and we submit to that. So, in answer to the question, does the Holy Spirit still, in 2019, still do miracles? What do you guys think? Okay. Why, why do you, I want you to think for a second. Why do you think that? Because you've seen them. Great. Okay. I want you guys to tell us some stories of miracles that you've experienced. Okay? Because it was one thing for us to say, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. I want you guys to testify right now to the miracles that you've seen. Now, let me remind you what a miracle is. Okay? There's times that people call things miracles that probably don't fit the definition of miracle. A miracle is an occurrence that cannot be explained, at least not explained easily, by science. By definition, it's something that doesn't normally happen. Does that make sense? It's where the, a, a miracle, by definition, is that the laws of nature are altered. Does that make sense? That something happened, there was an intervention from the Spirit of God causing things to not happen the way that they should have happened had God not intervened. So, I want you guys to tell some stories about this. I asked you, do miracles still happen? You guys said, yeah, okay. I want you to prove it by telling us some stories, okay? So if there's any doubters in here thinking, ah, that was, that, that was a long time ago. God can't, did miracles, but he's not doing that now. Then I want you guys to listen to some of these stories. Okay, so who's first? Um, hi, guys. Um, first, I jumped out of my chair. We'll get to that in a second. Um, you want proof miracles exist, I'm here standing before you, I'm talking. Um, I was born stillborn. The umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck three times. My face was blue. I was supposed to be dead. All logic says I should be dead right now. Um, when I was born and I came out like that, my dad was the one who caught me. Um, they put me on the table or whatnot. I'm not real sure how all that works, but anyways... <laughs> Um, my dad laid his hands on me and prayed for me, and as he prayed for me, color returned to my face. Um, I've had little to no side effects from that whatsoever. That's one. Um, two, well, I was one years old. Um, I was riding in the minivan with my mother. Obviously, I was in a car seat in the back. My two older siblings were in there. Um, my dad was at work. What happened, um, unbeknownst to my dad, my dad was just at work. He felt like he needed to pray for us to protect us, and so he was praying at work. At that exact moment, we're driving, riding down the road in the minivan, and my mom runs over a metal fence post that proceeds to go up through the gas tank. And so gas is pouring down along the road, um, along with sparks, because the, the, ga- um, the fence post is lodged there shooting sparks, as Skylar would well know. Gasoline and sparks creates fire. Um, There was no car fire that day. There was no one harmed. There was no scratch. Our car just rolled to a stop. When we called the police, when we figured that out, it was unexplainable how we came out of that without the car catching on fire. Third thing, I jumped out of my chair. Um, This last fall, 
this last summer, I went to a church camp. First week there, um, unbeknownst to me, I popped my kneecap out of my socket, proceeded to walk on it for the next six weeks. Um, my meniscus was torn. I walked on crutches for the first two weeks of class, of fall semester, and lost five pounds because it was in the heat of summer. Um, I had just gone to an orthopedic. I was on a special brace. It was supposed to, I'm still supposed to be on that brace. I came to the Cornerstone one Thursday night. Friday, I went to the prayer meeting. They prayed over my knee. They're like, take off the brace. I'm like, I take off the brace. I ran up and down the stairs. My knee has been absolutely perfect. If you don't believe in miracles, this is the evidence, guys. This is the evidence. I love running. God has given me that joy. So yeah, miracles exist. Okay, who's next? Next story. Come on, come on. So guys, sh we got a lot of these. So shoot for about a minute and a or a minute, or about a minute. Okay. Uh, mine's are pretty funny. Um, when I was a kid, and as you guys know, my mom was not really around. I was trying to fix something with crazy glue. And so I started to try to apply it to whatever it was that I was doing. And so it wasn't coming out. So as a kid, I'm like, oh, well, you know, let me look down the hole. And as I look down the hole, I squeeze it and it goes all into my eye. No joke. <laughs> no joke. This is not a joke. Like, so, you know, my eyes shut for a few days. And one day I just woke up and it was fine. Like, I could open my eye and everything was okay. And, you know, I was just like, what what happened? I, I still don't know what happened to this day. Uh, yeah. What else do I have? Um, I mean, there's a lot of really long stories, but I just wanted to share that one. So. Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing, sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So many of you don't know me, but, yeah, sorry. Um, many of y'all don't know me, but as a kid, I couldn't speak. Like, I had maybe a two-word vocabulary. Like, that's it. Um, but God completely opened my mouth to where I should be mute. Like, doc doctors basically spoke that over me. Every doctor, every, every chance, that's what they said. You're not going to speak. That You're going to be silent the rest of your life, basically. Um, and my parents obviously are believers, and they just declared the power of God. Um, so, yeah, I... I'm here now speaking because of God, because that opening. Matt, which story should I should I do? The car. All right. So when I was 12, um, I was fresh and hot off of my birthday. And um, it was in the summer. I was just like, yeah, yeah. And um, so my three little sisters were going to, to VBS. And my two older sisters were going to like this youth thing. But I was just like tied between where I want to go. And I was like, no, nah, VBS is a bunch of for like little 11-year-olds. So I wanted to go with my <laughs> sisters, with the teens. And so 
me and my sister had this argument, like, no, go to VBS, go to VBS. I was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go with y'all. And so, and so at the same time, they were both about to leave. I was going to have to stay home by myself. As a kid, I was scared of the dark. So, so my mom calls, and she was like, hey, I need to talk to your sister, my oldest sister. So I go across the street, and they're gathering people around the van. I'm like, hey, Misha, mom's calling you. Uh, she's on the phone. She's like, oh, she must have. Did you call her? I'm like, no, she called. And she was like, look, you can come. And so it was this big whole ordeal. So I was going back and forth, back and forth. Mom was like, I don't care, Max. If you come back, when I come home, grounded, belt, all that stuff. So I was like, so I'm just like, I didn't do anything wrong. So I go ahead and I cross the street. And so maybe three or four times, I would look both ways across the street. This time, I was just like, Whatever, there's no cars coming. And this um, Everett Shirey Toyota Tundra size truck, um, Tacoma size truck, just comes barreling, barreling, barreling down. And I look over, and all I heard was, Max, look out. What? Boom! I'm rolling like 40 feet down the road. And so as that happens, I like my adrenaline shoots up, and I'm up, and I don't know exactly where I am. And, and I see the, the church bus kind of roll in to pick up the kids and stuff. And so my sisters, my little sisters, they're watching. They're just like, and then the bus driver saw everything. So they're like, uh, y'all get in the bus. Get in the bus. Get in the bus. Everything's okay. You know, and I can't feel my body. Like, I'm just walking like Bambi as she started. Like, that's how bad it was. And so one of the youth pastors gets out of the van, just rushes over to me. Like, Max, are you okay? I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I think I'll be okay. And he's like, uh, no. And so they laid, laid, me, ba- laid me down on the grass. And, and my sisters were like, oh, we're dead. My, my <laughs> oldest sisters were, were dead. So, um, so they were like, hey, can you, can you move this? And I was like, am I moving it? And he was like, no, it's not moving. So like, I couldn't move my leg. I couldn't move my arm. And this nurse was just like, yeah, you're going to have to go to the, to the hospital. So I get into the ambulance take a ride, and this firefighter was like, hey, you know what's cool about this whole thing? You're gonna be on TV for this. And so, <laughs> and I stopped worrying about it. I wasn't on TV. So, um, so I get into the hospital, and my oldest sister's like, Max, it's okay. Mom and dad know about what's going on. They're on their way. I've never seen any parent get to a hospital as quick as my parents have. Like, my dad was, like, yelling at my sister, like, oh, Misha, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what happened? And then my small mom was like, ah, oh, it's my only boy. Ah. It, like, it was just like, like, oh, my gosh. But, and so she's like, Max, are you okay? And, and so I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I still don't know all of what was going on. I was just like, okay. And then so it took x-rays and everything. I had, like, um, a big fracture in my elbow. And, and then... I thought I was never going to walk again for some reason because I could, still couldn't feel my legs, but they were just like, oh, your legs just badly scraped and, and whatnot. And so um, I didn't get wheel, wheelchaired out until like at, like at all. So I was able to walk. And well, as soon as I walked out of the hospital, my dad just carried me in because um, <laughs> he thought I was just like my bones were all done and stuff. <laughs> and so, so like as I got home, and actually, as like you know, as I got home, um, like for some reason I was like I don't know how, but I was starting to feel better. Like I was like I was okay, and I was just like, is my 
like, what's going on? Like, I got wrapped up in everything. And so the doctor said I would have a cast for about, like, two, three months. And it's like, oh, wow, this sucks. I had my cast off within three weeks. And so um, when my sister was telling me, like, years later, like, um, about the time when I, like, messed up my arm and everything, and she's like, you know who was praying for you? And I was like, what? You're, you know, Ashley, which is my baby sister. Like, she's, like, the angel of the family. And she was crying. She was, like, little, like, four years old, just, like, praying every day. And, like, I didn't even know it. Like, she was, she was the only one crying. Everyone was just like, <gasps> like, all my sisters were like, oh, no. My sister was like, ah, no. Like, it was, it was horrible. And, yeah, so, yeah, I think her. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the first thing that happened to me when I was like seven years old, um, I lived with different people, like I told you. Um, and one time they sent me out to get firewood. It was like eight at night, and it was like raining. It had rained the entire day, raining, and then the night still raining. And they said, "Well, Julia, why didn't f why didn't you go to fetch firewood?" And I was like, "It was raining, and I didn't want to go there because I w I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared to be outside." Because of witchcraft and all of the above. And so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I don't have a choice. I'm not, I'm not living with my parents. I can be like, you know, I'm going to be rebellious because you're my parents. These were like people that I didn't know and I was living with them. And so I walked to the forest and uh, you have to go f look for, you know, sticks out of nowhere to make this pile so you can take it home. And um, I walk in there, I'm singing Christian songs because I grew up as a Christian. And I was so scared, so singing helped me because I was, you know, singing, I felt like God was with me. And so I walk in there, and first thing, as I'm, like, walking through the forest, I find firewood, and it, it looks like someone came and, you know, put it all together and tied it up nicely. And they had told us it's, you know, witchcraft and all these creepy things. There's, like, you know, ritual stuff that they do in the forest. And so I was like, well, I guess this is my answer. God just left this for me. So I pick it up and I take it home. And they're like, wow, Julia, we didn't think you'd make it back. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, so you sent me there knowing that I could come back or I could die there. Okay. Well, <laughs> so I made it back with all the firewood and I passed that one. And then the next one was um, one time. I was living with Kenneth, Kenneth's family, my, my brother, adopted brother. And their house was made out of mud. So like um, <coughs> it would rain a lot and the water would sit inside and you know, part of the house would fall. And then like, you know, the, we had ventilators, which are really hard, like if it falls on you, it will break your head. And so I slept on a wooden chair with a blanket. And one time it rained really bad and as I was sleeping, the house came down on one side of the house, and that's where I was sleeping. But all the ventilators like fell over to the other side, like they skipped me to the other side, and all the dirt fell on the other side. And I was like, I did not hear a thing. I woke up in the morning, and they're like, Julia, did you hear that? I, was like, I didn't hear anything. Nothing touched me. Nothing. It was like all around me, but nothing touched me at all. So. 
And then another thing is that I, we used to have to go outside to the bathroom every night. So like you gotta wake up and you can't you can be like I was scared so I peed on the bed or something. So, <laughs> so we would walk outside and this time all the people were sleeping and I couldn't ask anyone to t you know to escort me outside. So I, I decided to go myself. So I went I went outside and on my way back from the bathroom, like thieves came running. I don't know if they were from like stealing something, but they found me as I was closing the door. And they tried to knock on the door to, you know, for me to open it. I refused. And so Kenneth's dad, Kenneth's dad comes inside and is like, who is that? And I'm like, I don't know. Someone just knocked on the door and it's like, you know, out there like now chasing the thieves. But I was glad that it, you know, they didn't catch me because if they had, they would have killed me or done something to me. So I survived that one as well. And then when we came here... <laughs> So when we came here, I, I don't know if I was reacting to the food or what, but I, I was really sick for like months, like sick. And they kept on like taking me to the doctor and they're like, there's nothing. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what it is. And then they decided to say, oh, it's acid reflux. You know, she is maybe having ulcers or something. And so I was like, I never had any of that when I was in Uganda, so what is this? So they gave me medicine to take, and I'm supposed to be taking it to this day, but I refuse to take it <laughs> because <laughs> I've always had this in my, I've always said this over myself, like if, you know, someone gives me medicine, I'm like, I'm not going to take it because I know I will be healed without this medicine, plus it's not helpful. So I would just like throw it away when my mom would send me to the hospital. I'd throw it on the road and I'll come back because I'm scared to take it. And so... They, you know, they give me medicine here, and I'm like, I don't want to take medicine for the rest of my life. That's why I've always been scared to take medicine for the rest of my life. So they give me the medicine. I take it the first week, the second week, and the third week, I'm like, I think I'm healed. So <laughs> I refused. I stopped taking the medicine because I believed that I was healed. And then one time I felt a little sick, and I was like, maybe I should take it again. So I went back, and I took it again, and I became worse. And I was like, okay, so it's now the medicine that's making me sick. So I stopped taking the medicine, and to this day, I've never taken the medicine again, and I have no problems, yeah. nothing at all. Okay, who else we got? We got time for maybe one more, maybe two more. Come on, Sarah. Zoe, okay, we got, we got Sarah, then, oh, Zoe, then Sarah. So, so, uh, I think it was in like probably September, like middle of September, um, I fell down a ditch. Like it was raining and I was like having an emotional breakdown and I was like, today is the worst day ever. And then I fell down a ditch and I was like, ah, dang. Um, so I fell and like I felt like, like my hip kind of like pop and I fell down my tailbone as well and I was like, oh no, this is not a good sign. So, like, the next day, like, I went to sleep, and I was like, I'm fine, and nothing's wrong. And the next day, like, I woke up, and my hip was, like, I couldn't stand on it. Like, it was literally giving out from underneath me. And I was like, I'm 15. I do not need to be having hip problems. <laughs> no. Um, and so, like, like, maybe an hour later, the other end started giving out. And so, like, I could not stand up without basically collapsing to the ground. And then, like, 30 minutes later, like, my tailbone was, like, an excruciating amount of pain. And I was just, like, I don't know, like, what's going on. And um, they took me, my mom took me to the doctor. 
and like the ER and I had like MRIs and CAT scans and all this stuff. And turns out like I tore like a piece of tissue that like is insanely rare to tear, mind you. And I tore it and like they were like, you're gonna probably be in a wheelchair for like years. Like you can't stand on your leg. You don't understand like it's that bad. You could have surgery. And I was like, I'm not having surgery. I will do anything not to have surgery. So um, I was on crutches for like maybe into like October. And then I was like, like, these are hurting me so bad. And I was in a wheelchair for a while. And like I hit like the lowest low when I was in that wheelchair. Like I could not do anything without somebody there. And I just, this sucked. But then I went to like, this prayer conference that Grace was having and like how I kind of like my mom and I joke around like I rolled in there like thinking nothing was going to happen I just I didn't want to go at all and like like I freaking walked out y'all like <laughs> like yeah. to, like a few people came and prayed for me like Matt prayed for me and then like I was literally crying, and he was just like, you know, you need to stand up. And I was like, I'm not about to stand up. Like, hold up. <laughs> and he was just like, you need to stand up. And I stood up, and, like, I walked around the church, like, bawling my eyes out in three-inch heels. And I was like, mm, yes, Jesus. So, yeah, that, that happened, and it was pretty dope. So... <laughs> Sarah, come. And Matt, I'm looking for that video of you last summer when you got healed. If I can find it, we're going to show that, too. All right. Hi, people. Um, can y'all hear me? It's, it's weird. Uh, all right. So my story actually happened here at the Cornerstone. I showed up here four years ago, like right when I started college here. And um, I came here feeling pretty sick. I had basically spent the last year kind of doing nothing, just feeling nauseous and other grosser things, um, but I, I don't know, I, I was up one night, and I felt like the Lord told me to go do architecture, so I was like, okay, I'll go, and so I just kind of showed up here not knowing what I was doing, because I figured if, if God wanted me to do something, he'd make it possible, and so I wouldn't have to spend another, you know, week or month or year just kind of laying in bed, um, and, and just to, for a little bit of, like, medical background, um, I didn't know what, what the deal was for a while or if I was just feeling bad for no reason, if that's even possible. Um, but yeah, basically I just had like a cortisol deficiency and that's kind of your body's manager. So blood pressure and sleep-wake cycle and mood stuff, it was all just kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, I came here and I found the cornerstone. I was looking for community and I came to Eve's small group on the second day I was here. That was August 28th, which is my brother's birthday. He's in the back. Hi, Chad. <laughs> yeah. So I got to the small group, and Eve was like, hi, I'm Eve, all that stuff. You know, how was, your, how was your day? And I was like, I made it through, and I didn't even, like, get super nauseous or anything. And then I was like, oh, that probably sounded weird. And so it did, and she was like, well, what's wrong? And I explained to her, like, how I had been kind of, like, just sleeping my life away and nauseous and stuff all this time. And, um... And she asked if they could pray for me. And I was like, yeah. I mean, like, I kind of didn't expect anything to happen, to be honest. I, I was just kind of, I was like, yeah, whatever. But then when they started to pray, I was like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt the Lord show up very strongly. And I was just like, 
wait, something is happening. Something's gonna happen. Like, and I, I, I delayed the process a couple minutes because I was so busy freaking out about it. Like, um, I, I was just uh, like, the, the Lord was basically telling me like, like I'm literally trying to give you a gift. Just open your hand and take it. And I was like, but you're doing this what? Like I was too, I was too in shock to get on with it for a minute. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, after a minute, timidly, I was like, okay, God, yeah, if you want to do that, will you please, will you please make me better? Um, and, and I still kind of didn't believe it. Like, I felt it, but I didn't believe it. And then, like, a week later, I was like, I've been sleeping, like, eight hours a day instead of, like, you know, 16 or something. I've, all the other things that were not normal, but you just, whatever, it's college. I can talk to y'all guys. Like, you know, peeing, like, 17 times a day. All those things, like, those things, like, went away. And so a week later, I was like, I guess, I guess I'm not imagining this. Because, you know, I don't, I don't always trust my feelings. But, yeah, a week later, I was like, oh, hey, that was real. And so I started telling people, and I, I spoke about this, like, four years ago. And it's good to be back. And see you again. <laughs> Guys, I wanted Sarah to share that with you because she's graduating tomorrow. And... Um, you know, she hasn't been at the merge a lot because she's she she came here and got healed her first day here, second day here, and um and and never never relapsed. I mean, the Lord touched her life. That was a miracle. That's why I wanted her to come tonight, and um, I wanted you guys to hear what what the power of God did in Sarah's life. And then she went on. Her and Maria went on to start a Bible study in the architecture department. So she hasn't been able to be here uh, near as much. But she's still been at Grace. Still been a part of the Cornerstone. But praise God for His healing in your life. And um, guys, the question I asked was, um, are there, does God still do this kind of thing? Because does, do miracles still happen today? And of course, there's skeptics who are going to say, well, that can all just be explained away another way. But let me just tell you my, a little bit of my story. You know, I, growing up in the Philippines, we had situation after situation where, the, where God intervened and touched us, touched us. And in a way, I feel like the people in America are at a disadvantage because you've got doctors and credit cards to rely on. Whereas where you grew up, like in the situation that Juliet was talking about, where if God doesn't come through for you, there's no alternative. There's nobody that's going to, there's nothing that's going to help. And so I grew up in that situation where we just learned that, Lord, you're, you are our strength. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to him and are safe, and apart from him, there is no safety. And so we had lots of situations, and I, I just think, man, there's so many stories like what Juliet was telling you that I should tell you, but I'm not going to tell you all those. I'll just tell you one just real small story that actually happened later on when I was in high school in Hawaii, and I had a, I had a growth on the inside of my lip. And the doctor said, you're going you're to have to have surgery and have that cut off. And, I, and at that time, my, my parents had so little money. And I thought, why should my parents have to spend money to get this growth cut off my lip when the Lord can heal it? <laughs> so um, I told our little, little youth group that I was going to have surgery. I think it was the next day. It was in a couple of days anyway. And I said, but guys, I don't think I should have to, sp- to do this. Our Lord is the king, and he can heal this. So I just said, would you guys pray for me? So they prayed for me, and it went away. And, um, and what's interesting, and you guys, this is where I'm still, you know, I don't pretend to understand all this. And I think we need to be careful to not pretend anything and not try to give the Lord a way out if it really wasn't the work of the Lord or credit things, that this was, that the Lord did a miracle if it wasn't a miracle. But he, he, healed, he took that growth away. What I found is interesting that I don't understand is that in, in, since that time, there's been times where that thing has started to come back. And I've heard about other times when people have been healed, 
where they've been healed, and then it's like, well, I was healed, and then a week later, it was, or two weeks later, or a month later, it was back. Well, here's what I found, guys, is that 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 that's come started to come back at times, and it's like I I remind the Lord that He healed me. I remind myself that the Lord healed me, and I'm I'm just like Lord. You healed me. I don't know what this is or what caused it or what, you know, why. But, but I trust that healing you gave me. And so, so it's come back at times. But I think it's been, it's probably been two, three years now since it's been back. And I, I've just learned. Starts to come back, eyes on Jesus. Because, and the reason I'm telling you that is because there's situations in your life where, where the healing happens. But you, but you need to pray through that all the way and keep your eyes on Jesus. Not like, okay, I'm healed and back to life as normal and then you're wondering well that didn't work is now the, the the sickness came back or whatever no you you are you walk out the freedom of the healing that the lord has given you okay now i want to end with just five things that i want you guys to write down if you're taking notes i know some of you guys take notes it's a good idea to take notes because there's there's things that you're going to forget but i'm going to i'm going to run through these really quick but the first thing i want you to write down is this jesus still heals today and the proof is all these stories you just heard including mine, including more, if we had had time to talk about it. Okay, second thing I want you to write down. So first, Jesus still heals today. Second thing, healing comes through a physical connection with Jesus. Healing comes through a physical connection with Jesus. In almost every case where we read about people being healed in the Gospels, there was a physical connection with Jesus. And you're thinking, well, how do I get a physical connection with Jesus? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? You're like, well, I want to be healed. How do I get physically connected with Jesus? Well, you, you connect just like, well, what it, just like when Jesus, as one person, was walking on this planet, and people who connected with him got healed. The replacement for that one physical body of Jesus on this planet is the, the what? The, it's the Holy Spirit in, I said physical connection, not spiritual connection. So the Holy Spirit in his physical body, which is you guys. And I want to tell you guys, you don't get healed apart from a physical connection with Christ. And this is where so many people, there's like, okay, Jesus, heal me. I believe in you. I know, I know you can heal me, heal me, heal me, heal me. Or somebody, somebody prays. There, it, there's a clinging to the body of Jesus. Remember when the woman, the woman grabs all the, the hem of his garment? She's got to get connected with him. And there's a connection to, to, to the clothes he's wearing. And I want to say, if you guys need healing or if you want people out there to be healed, they will not be healed apart from a connection with the body of Christ. I think you need to, 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 to stamp that on your heart. There's a, in, in our society where everybody's like, well, it's me and Jesus and what I need all those ugly people for. <laughs> you need those ugly people. You need them. They're parts. They're, they're beautiful people. Sorry, I'm just joking. But they're beautiful people. They're, they're, they're cells in the body of Christ. And healing power comes from the Holy Spirit, but it comes through the physical members of Christ. Okay? Healing comes through a physical connection with the body of Christ. And if you guys need a verse there, you write down John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The, 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 and that's apart from Jesus spiritually and Jesus physically. Don't don't believe that you guys who are watching a live stream can have the same experience watching a live stream as you have right here. I'm serious. Okay, number three. There is no formula that will guarantee the results that you want. I already talked about divination. If we, put, if we, if we add a little bit of 
uh, magic powder here and do this here and read three scriptures here and say some incantation, we get what we want. That is not God's work. He is the master. You know, again, if we can just get the right person to pray or if they pray in tongues, or we, there is no formula that guarantees us getting God to do what we want him to do. The whole point of this journey that we are on is that you're not in control. That's the point. We don't use God to get what we want. Okay, he, We devote ourselves to him so that he gets what he wants accomplished. Okay, fourth thing. God is not as interested in your comfort as he is in your character. He's not as interested in giving you comfort as he is interested in building your character and establishing his kingdom through you. Understand this. God wants to use your life for his glory. And if he was willing to shed, to become a human and shed his blood and go through the pain to win this planet back to himself, it makes sense that he's, he might allow you to go through pain or not get the exact healing that you're asking for if that will accomplish his purposes in the world. And, and I know this from firsthand experience because you guys know, I mean, I told you about the, the, the times that I, I've been healed other times. But there's one healing that I haven't experienced yet. I have, I've got this, this neck, jaw pain that when I went to the, you know, I finally got referred to some neurologist. I don't know, who cares about going to the doctor? I mean, I've got time to go to the doctor. But finally, somebody talked me into going to a doctor who referred me to another doctor, went to the neurologist. And then the neurologist said, oh, this is what we call the suicide condition. Because people with this are in so much pain, and there's no solutions for it, so they commit suicide. I laughed. I thought, <laughs> right, right. I would love to be healed of the pain. But here's what I want I, I know for sure that this pain in my life is accomplishing something bigger than what I can see. And I'm not going to let it stop me. I, mean, I, know I, could, I know I could stop the pain by stop talking. I could. So I'm not stop talking. I'm not stopping. Because the Lord has a plan to use this voice to proclaim his message, and I get to participate in the sufferings of Christ a little bit. It's a little bit. So, Romans 5.2. Okay, we're almost done. we got a couple minutes. Romans 5.2. Guys, I cling to this verse. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Here's the question. What are you rejoicing in? Rejoicing in my healing. I'm rejoicing in my future job. I'm rejoicing. All you know what? I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. I rejoice in the hope of what? Not my healing. Not all the good stuff in my life. I rejoice in the hope of of the glory of God. That's, my, that's what I am rejoicing in. This joy that there is. There is the glory of God that is going to come, being, his glory being squeezed out of my life, whatever it costs me. That's what I'm rejoicing in. I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, not only, not only is that true, but we are rejoicing, it says. You got that up there? We are rejoicing in suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us 
because God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Guys, we rejoice. I mean, whether we get healed or not, who can, we're going to, I just tell Stephen, you know, we've been praying for Stephen. God, would you heal Stephen? Stephen, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Healing, brother. Healing. Guys, even as I'm speaking, just be praying for him. But, but here's the deal with Stephen's life. Whether Stephen's got one breath left or 10 billion breaths left, he's going to use every breath for the glory of God. What else do you want? That, what else do I, what any of us want? We want these, we these breath, every breath, every ounce of energy was given to us to bring glory to God. That's all we want. That's all Stephen wants. Guys, we're not going to let some healing or lack of healing stop us from the mission. We are giving our, ourselves to this cause of Christ. Period. So God is not, just, guys, just remember this. God is not interested in your comfort near as much as, his, as he is interested in accomplishing his work in you and his work through you. Okay, fifth thing. Jesus still heals today. Now, I already said that. That was what I said at number one. But I just want to emphasize it again. I want to emphasize it again. One more story. One more story. You guys know Taka. Throw up the Taka and the sheep up here. Okay, Taka, Taka is in Germany right now shearing sheep. You got that picture? Okay. There's Taka. You guys know Taka? This is Taka and this is Dolly, I guess. I don't know. Um, so he's working on sheep in, for another month in Germany. But Taka came to Jesus. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Taka came to Jesus through them. That's Taka. This is them. This is our camp last year or maybe the year before uh, in Japan. So Taka came to Jesus through them. Then came to Jesus through his sister Noe. Now, you guys know Yoshimi because she was here not too long ago. Was she here this year or was that last year? Okay. Then came to Jesus through Noe, his then sister. That's her mom. She's coming to Jesus this summer. Just you guys pray. She's going to the Philippines with me this summer. Um, me and a, a Japanese team. Uh, Noe came to Jesus through Utah Kun's uncle. Where's Utah? Utah Kun. Okay, Utah Kun's uncle, John um, Henderson, was in Japan. And Noe, when she was about, she was probably 15, 16 years old, she was going to uh, Malaysia. Well, we, were, we, were gonna, we got our camps, our camps were going to start, and she's going to Malaysia. And two days before she's supposed to go to Malaysia, she does some, something like you just described, fell in a ditch. And um, messed up her leg, so she was on crutches and could not even walk. So she couldn't go to Malaysia. But God uses all things for his glory. So because she couldn't go to Malaysia, Malaysia, she came to camp. And John and Kiana, that's Joe, my son-in-law, by the way. What a great kid. Um, so John and Joe's wife, Kiana, my daughter, who was about 14 at the time, um, they, they're over at Noe's house, and they pray for Noe. Jesus healed Noe. Jesus heals Noe. What kept her from going to Malaysia didn't keep her from coming to camp. Her foot was healed. And she's like, what happened to me? She became a believer. She led, she led her brother then to Jesus, then led Taka to Jesus. And the story goes on. So, so here's the deal. Jesus still heals today. Praise God. Guys, let's stand up and let's close in prayer. And as we're standing up and closing in prayer, some of you guys need healing tonight. We have people here who have faith for Jesus to heal. 
up in the prayer room upstairs, right after this. If you need healing, I want to invite you to go up there, and we're going to have people praying for you up there. So if you need healing, if you need the Lord to touch you tonight, go up there, and let's ask him to heal you. Let's pray. Father, we're asking for your work in our lives, whether that's instant healing or gradual healing or whatever it is. Lord, we trust you. We put our hope in you. And we're asking that the, that, that the, the kinds of miracles that we talked about tonight would happen through your people here. That we would live in Holy Spirit power. Your power in us to do all the things that Jesus did, you, Lord Jesus, did, and all the, speaking all the things that you said, not defending ourselves, not worrying about what the world thinks about us, but loving you. And so would you anoint your people? Even this summer, as, as we've got people who like, like Sarah who are graduating, people that are going home. Actually, guys, let's do this. If you're leaving for the summer, if you're about to take a trip, and this is your last Thursday night here, would you raise your hand? Okay. Sophia, Sophia's on her way to, can I tell them where you're going? Okay, to, to Detroit and then to Jordan. She's going to Jordan. Who else, who, who else is raising her hand back here? Zane. Zane is going back home so that his mom and dad will know Jesus. He's taking Matt with him. Um, so we want to pray for them also. And it seemed like there was somebody else who said that this was their last night. Who's that? Okay. Okay, well, it's Sarah, Sarah back there. This is her last. Well, I don't know. Is this your last night, Sarah? Okay. Well, then, then, guys, let's pray for, if you're around Sophia, if you're around Zane, would you just put your hand on them? If you're around Matt, maybe Matt already went upstairs to pray. But just put your hand on them. We're going to pray for them also. And Lord Jesus, we're just, we're just sending Sophia and Zane and Matt out in power that, that they'd have your Holy Spirit work flowing through their lives, touching people wherever they go. And we're asking, Lord, that Zane's family would know your goodness as he goes to Malaysia, that, that they'd see your Holy Spirit power in him. They won't understand what that is. But would you open their hearts so that they'd fall in love with you? And also for Sophia, as she goes to Detroit and then on to, on to Jordan, would you speak through her? Would, she, would there be Holy Spirit power encounters in the people that she meets with and proclaims your message to? That people's lives would be changed because of the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus through Sophia. And Lord, we're just asking for everybody else here that, you're, that we would represent you well. Help us, Lord. Help us. We need you every moment, every moment that we keep our eyes on you. And just like, just like you've done for me, that, 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 that growth in my lip hasn't ever come back as long as my eyes were on you. Would you just teach us all the practice of keeping our eyes on you, the practice of the presence of God in our lives. We need you. Thank you for this great semester, and we just look forward to all the things you're going to do this summer. In Jesus' name, amen.